Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Greetings one and all, and welcome to Moments That Rock, a proud member of the Pantheon Group of Podcasts. I'm your host, Tony Mike Leavis. I spent three decades working in the music industry, running my own PR company, and working as a publicist. For you 2 The Police, Depeche Mode, David Bowie, New Order, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, blah, 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 blah. If you want to know more, feel free to visit my website at www.tonymikeleavis.com. Each week, we'll strive to bring you a cornucopia of musical delights, all based around storytelling. There's archive interviews from back in my radio days with the likes of the Ramones, Steve Winwood, the Cramps, U2, etc, etc. We also have some great stories from some industry insiders. Right, intro done, on with the show. Welcome to the bit where we plunder the archives and dig deep and find interviews from way back then. And today's way back then is part two of an interview I did with Joey and Dee Dee from the Ramones from 1988. Sadly, both those guys have passed away since. So together with the memories, it's tinted with a little bit of sadness. The Ramones are a great band. You were always, well, I say always, you were in your heyday popular without actually being fashionable, isn't that true? Yes, we rejected um, fashion when the when the punk rock scene really caught on. Like we didn't cut our hair short, and um, like a lot of the groups looked great. Like the Sex Pistols really dressed good and everything, but we didn't want to dress like that because we started out as an anti glitter group. We were it was our reaction to glitter, but which is strange because we were very big fans of glitter. But then it just got ridiculous where the Allman Brothers started going to Granny Takes a Trip and buying glitter jackets. And, you know, it was like, um, who's that guy who stars in Oh God, that country western singer? Never mind. <laughs> he, he started dressing up in glitter, too. Oh, that John Denver. John Denver, right. <laughs> John Denver started dressing up in glitter, so we had to do something different. You know, we put on leather jackets and jeans. You've been listening to Way Back Then, a podcast featuring archive interviews and fireside chats with music industry veterans. On today's podcast, Joey and Dee Dee from the Ramones, an interview that dates back to 1986. And here's some more. A lot of our sort of most successful bands from the mid to late 70s, like the Pistols, the Buzzcocks, the Clash, they all seem to burn themselves out. I mean, the, the, the Stranglers are back, but they're a very different act. The Buzzcocks, sadly, no longer. They're probably just out to make money now. You know, they're getting old and they're ready to retire and they're trying to make a buck. But I, I think they're good. You know, I like their new single, but I, it is soft, you know. Well, we made a we made a hard album. Our album is hard, you know. And um, 
we, you know, like going back to producing, like we, we may have used a lot of producers, but now we've learned how to produce ourselves. And so like every song, like whoever writes the song, the person in the band sort of produces the song too, you know, like. There's much more involvement with the band as you all yeah, contribute bits I of sit, writing. I sit right behind the board when they do one of my songs, you know, and I, I sit through the mixing, and so does Joey. He he puts all his ideas into the songs, and we know what we're doing now. We're very, you know, we really know what we're doing. Sounds, well, that's nothing wrong with confidence. Um, Joey, can I ask you, you're saying like um, we were talking about producing, and of course Dave Stewart has produced Howling at the Moon. Now, this was in fact because he was a Ramones fan, not because you wanted a, a popular British pop star to produce you, correct? Right. No, he's, he's been a fan of us for years. Matter of fact, he, him and Annie had a band, 77 The Taurus, which were very reminiscent of the Ramones, you know. And uh, he just, he had heard the song and he wanted it. He, he liked the song. It was, I guess, his personal favorite, you know. And uh, he wanted to get involved, and he he just did it, you know, because he didn't he didn't ask for any payment of any sort, you know. He just did it because uh, he wanted to do it, you know. And so, you know, we we had a meeting to see, you know, if we liked his ideas and this and that, and you know, we thought it, it you know, we thought the guy's great, you know. I mean, he had matter of fact, his initial ideas, you know, like. He, he wanted us to sound like the Ramones. He didn't want us to sound like anything else, or the Eurythmics, or Dave Stewart, or whatever. And, um, you know, he wanted it to be very stark and yet very dynamic, which it is. It, it starts off very stark, but then it explodes when the guitar comes in. And, you know, it's I think it's great. And it was fun to work with him. And he's, he's a good guy, and uh, he's very worldly, you know. He's very talented, you know. Do you think it was the right first single to put off the album to reintroduce people to the Ramones or maybe get some new fans? I don't know, but um, it was real successful in America. In L on LIR, it got to number one on the station's playlist, and um, it was it won Screamer of the Week over all the big groups. It's it's hard to win that contest, and we won it. And uh, every city we'd go to, we'd turn on the radio, and there it would be. And um, that was really nice. But now they're putting out Chase in the Night, and maybe maybe that's the single. You know, we, we don't really know, but we're going to play it now. Tom Dilemma, I always thought, could well be a good little single. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I like that one. Um, oh, just look up. You were uh, talking then, Didi, about American radio, and uh, there's so many sort of college radio stations, etc., etc. Now, what about MTV in the States? It's so important. How do they take to guys like you? They don't like us. They don't take well to us. You know, they, they banned our video. But you're white. Well, they, it, that doesn't matter. They're, they're prejudiced against us anyway, and they banned our video, and I don't You like did make it. a dodgy video in the past, though, didn't you? Do you think they're a bit wary of, of, you know, your past? Well, they they are two-faced. They, they invite you to their parties, and they send you tapes and everything, and try and be all buddy-buddy, but then they only play your video at 6 o'clock in the morning when everybody's sleeping. You know, they're into, the, they're into safe, you know, the safe, sterile things, you know. They're into Kenny things they can, they can package, like Billy Idol and Madonna and, you know, and then, you know, and all the, the English bands, all these synthesizer bands, you know, they like safe things, you know. 
you know, they're, maybe they're threatened by us, I don't know, but uh, I mean, I, I felt if anybody should get behind us, it, w it would be MTV, because I felt they were sort of doing something, rev you know, something new, and they, I mean, and um, I sort of, in a, in a sense, it was almost like, you know, sort of like the BBC, in a sense, where it bridges the country together, I mean, even though you guys only, have, you know, limited it with the radio, but that, but that's cool, because also that was good, because everybody gets to hear everything, you know, and they can make up their own minds if they want to buy it or not, or they want to get into it or not, you know, but, you know, like America's so stretched out, this, everything is regional, but MTV bridged the country together. You know, and, and it's the perfect place to expose new talent or ideas or something, but they, they, they didn't do it. They just, you know, played it safe, and you know. But at least you do have the choice in America with the radio, don't you? I always thought you would have been quite popular on, on the college radio circuit. We are, we are, we're very popular. On our, our album's number seven in yeah. Rolling Stone well, it, on it the came, chart. It came in number two and when it, you know, first was released, you know, and that's great, you know, I mean... You know, we were in heavy on heavy airplay on the college stations, and then they have alternative stations, you know, and we, you know, getting really good airplay on the alternative station, but not too much on the on the mainstream stations. So everything is, uh, you know, everything is sort of uh, they have ten plays, you know, like the major, the foreigners and stuff, and. You know, and, and everything's in a rotation on the... Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah, honestly, you just keep hearing the same thing. Wham! And, you know, and um, the same crap. So you're here doing your four London nights and uh, Tuesday sees the whistle test, which I should imagine is quite important to you. Yeah. Um, after that, you're going to Europe. Is that right, Didi? Yes, well, Joey and I are going to Paris for a little vacation. Oh, just the two of you? Yeah. And uh, we're sending John home. <laughs> that sounds as though they need a vacation uh, back home. Right. And then what, um, you said you were going to possibly come back in June, I mean... Uh, oh, we are. We're coming back in June. We're going to do some festivals in Britain, and uh, we'll do a lot of dates, you know. I, yeah. talking, uh, well, it's you know it's sort of up in the air, but our, our um, promoter here, John Giddings, he was mentioning maybe we're going to do uh, some festivals with U2 or something like that. Well, that shouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, they've got a fairly... Uh, I think Massive follow. Have a, the same kind of audience as them. They're well, the thing about you two fans is, I don't think they're partisan. They're not going to say like, "Get off the Ramones, we want you too." They're going to give you your fair share, and and you can win them over. It's a massive audience. Oh, that doesn't happen. I don't think <laughs> that don't. You know, we always go over pretty well. No, but some bands, I think, uh, they we don't want to see play somebody that. playing with their heroes, we, do they? We even played for the um, the US Festival, and it was like uh, 750,000 people, all Fleetwood Mac fans, and they loved us. You know, like um, I don't. It was we 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 once people see us, they like us. You know. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I'm sure you've got plenty of things to do and plenty of other people to talk to. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Way Back Then is part of Moments That Rock, where we dig deep into the archives, dust them down and deliver them. More archive interviews next week. There's a whole bunch of rock stars who work behind the scenes, and they have some great stories. Insider Insights takes you inside their world for their stories and their rock star moments. Today's guest is Paul Conroy talking to you about his illustrious career in the music industry. This is part two. If you go back and look at uh, earlier podcasts, you'll find part one. Well worth listening to. So let's pop back in and listen to Paul talk about that little known combo called... The Spice Girls. Obviously, coming from the school of pub rock and getting to know the artists and things, and then, you know, Elvis Costello right from the start and things like that. And then the Spice Girls and things. I mean, I suppose it's, it really helps when you start your label, when you've kind of got that school of artist development behind you and you've kind of been there and done it. So you know how to nurture and guide um, the artist. Did you effectively manage and have, be the label with those people? Um, well, I think they always looked at me and my experience that I had working with different artists. I didn't manage at, at, at that time, but I, what, what, what was I at Virgin? I was the managing director, stroke president, and, um, you know, they all came to me with their sob stories. And, I mean, for me, it was Tony Gordon who managed, um, who managed George Michael came to me one day and said, 
as he did very often, he wanted to get his royalty check early so he would get his commission. And in best uh, practice, which is really what I picked up off Dave Robinson, I said, so Tony, what's happening? I won't do my Dave Robinson accent, but I said, Tony, what's happening? You know, anything else out there? And he said, well, I've been approached to manage these girls um, and uh, I don't think I'm going to get them. I think they're really good though. Uh, I think Simon Fuller's going to manage them. And they're called the Spice Girls. So I went up to Ashley Newton in the A&R department and said, do you know about these girls called the Spice Girls? Because I've just heard from Tony Gordon, they're really good. Should we get them in? And that's where the story started with the Spice Girls and the rest is history. Um, and at the, at the point we got them in, they came and see Ashley and I, and they sort of performed and Jerry sat on my lap and... <laughs> Um, and that was the end of that. Um, and I, having, oh, I was working with Ray Cooper as my right hand man. And I said to Ashley, we should get Ray over for this. And Ray came over and saw, saw them perform as well. And uh, that's where we, um, we had to do a dog and pony show to sign them. Um, and we had to prove to Simon Fuller that we were going to be, uh, Virgin was going to be a good enough label uh, to, to break them in America. Because, Simon's view was always to break them worldwide. And uh, that's the start of the story of the Spice Girls. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like you hope uh, you've signed something that's going to do well. But I mean, little did you know, really, what the kind of extent of something like that worldwide. I mean, it was just a phenomenon, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was I had, I'm, of all the acts I've worked with over the years, I'd never seen anything happen quite like this and it was hard to explain to the girls themselves because um, they were brilliant I don't think guys would have ever worked as hard as those girls did they went all around the world and when you needed them to go and do an MTV performance in Stockholm or something extra you know they would do it and Simon was great as well he was really on it I remember going to have a meeting with him he was in hospital for some small operation and and he got me and the girls in together to talk to them about, you know, doing, and they were absolutely knackered because they'd gone around the world um, uh, a number of times. And it was just said, look, we just need a little bit more off you. We just need a little bit more off you to do this. And, you know, would you go and do that? Um, and so it was quite remarkable. I mean, the, Ashley Newton and I had discussed how we were going to start, start them. And there was no real history of um you know the, the one of those great unwritten laws of showbiz music whatever you want to call it was that girls don't you know girl groups don't really sell records and uh, up until that point there was probably an element of that if you took out the, the supremes or martha and the van does but then you know it was like a pop girl group had never really sold records worldwide and um so it Ashley and I wanted to start them abroad to get them, you know, credibility. And so at that time, Shampoo had been quite successful for EMI and they'd started them in Japan. And we thought, well, let's start them in Japan. And that's where really the Spice Girls started. We did, a, we did a, put the single and uh, we started it out in, you know, building them up via, via Japan. Um, but when when we had the hit in England, and I've got to say, all three of us uh, who were running Virgin at the time were a little bit worried about Wannabe being the first single, 
um, because it, it was a playground chant. But the girls were, were definitely convinced that was the one. And so we, we, were, we obviously went with it. And, um, oh my God, I remember seeing them the first day they went off to do some local radio promo. They were going off to BBC Radio Oxford or something. And it was about, I came in at seven in the morning and they were all getting coffees from the canteen and going off on a minibus to, to, to go and uh, do this radio interview. And they were so excited because they were like a coiled spring. They'd been waiting for such a long time to, uh, to get out and promote. And they were brilliant. I mean, I, you know, I've been lucky over the years. If I think of the artists that I've worked with, be it Phil Collins, be it Meatloaf, be it uh, the Spice Girls, but, you know, all the best acts were those who were prepared to really, you know, go out and go beyond what was needed to promote their art, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I like I say, working in the industry myself at that time and seeing it, I mean, I think another plus, and you mentioned that they, um, you know, how they went about things and they wanted that to come out, of the, out as a single. What about Simon Fuller and his input? Because, Simon, well, uh, they probably didn't even realise at the time what they'd been able to land with management. Because, I mean, it, it doesn't come much better, does it? The guy's a genius. And he is a brilliant guy to work with because he listens um, and he delivers. And I think, you know, you, I, I, I kind of think you never have a great artist without a great manager. I mean, if you look at Michael Lippmann, look at Paul McGuinness and stuff, it's no secret that, that those acts like fulfill their potential because you know you have to be able to work with the record company executives i think what i see from those times paul is is the advantage as well with the spice girls you wouldn't call them a music act they were full-on entertainment but yeah. they worked with music uh, people at the high end of the record companies and i mean you ray and ashley rather than with respect going and working with some accountants and lawyers at some other label so i think it was the perfect marriage the spice girls yeah, no, I mean, Simon, I remember going out with my wife, with Simon, uh, for dinner one night before, I think we just signed the girls and said, well, well, let's go out to dinner to celebrate or whatever. And we sat with him and he was listening to our ideas. We were listening to his. It was a great team that got the, the, the girls were very lucky because they got, they got a, uh, they got a team uh, who were really working to the, you know, to their best. Um, and with Ray, he was a great marketeer. With Ashley, um, he, he helped, really helped them hone and make the records. And I was able to push the button and get, get everyone uh, clued up, not only in the UK, but around the world. So, um, but it was very, very exciting. But I did live, live for four to five years of getting up in the morning and getting all the the, the national papers because it was like oh my god what have they done now or what what story have they got on them and there was always something i mean it was it was i mean you know it was the beatles of the of the time because the girl power and everything the influence they had it was it was the time still of physical uh, releases uh, you know so you'd put out 12 inch versions, you put out cassette versions, you do this, you do that. We knew, uh, you know, we would build up the radio and the video interest. We'd have smash hits behind us. It was, it was a very exciting time to be in, in a record company. And um, now a lot of these things are more hidden 
with social media and, and different types of trickery, I suppose. Did I say trickery? <laughs> uh, yes. I don't think I did. Did you say trickery? Um, but, you know, that we knew how to work records. I mean, I can remember being away one Christmas on the beach somewhere, I'll say it's Antigua, and waiting for the charts to come through. And it was like, it was the time we got the, you know, three number, three Christmas number ones in a row. And it was like, I was walking up and down the beach, like, oh my God, will we get it? Will we won't we get it? And uh, it was just brilliant. I mean, you, you walked with a real spring in your step. And it was nice to get uh, plaudits from people just to say, great job. And it was a great job. Simon, though, was, was the glue who kept it all together. And it was, it was a pleasure working with him. And I think the way he's, he guided Annie Lennox's career, uh, you know, without overselling her, and they made great videos and everything. Um, no, I think he's a, he's a very measured man. I mean, when Simon said to me, the girls were off and running, and he knew that they'd probably, um, you know, how long the career would last, they'd burn themselves out at some point. And I remember him bringing in a guy and, uh, you know, they, they, they did Cadbury's cream eggs and they did this and they did that. And he brought all this. And I thought, Simon, you're going to overkill it. You're going to overkill it. But he, what he did, he brought so much money in for the girls. I mean, the one story with the girls, which is, uh, was quite remarkable. I was going to work one day and I came around Shepherd's Bush Green. And there's a McDonald's on Shepherd's Green. And, I, and this was before, long before we launched the girls. I think we just signed them and we just getting started. And I saw on the front window of McDonald's on Shepherd's Bush Green, I saw this thing saying, Spice Burger. And I thought, <laughs> the Lord has arrived. And I thought, so I rang up McDonald's and I said to them, I see you're launching this thing called Spice Burger. Well, we've got this group called the Spice Girl. I went up to uh, McDonald's offices somewhere up in North London. And I remember walking in and this shag pile carpet and seeing all the pictures on the wall with the, with the uh, you know, best team leader of the month award and, you know, someone who sold more burgers than anyone else. And I went to see the marketing director and I told him the story about the Spice Girls and I told him what was happening. And I told him, I said, they're going to be enormous. You know, maybe there's something we could do together. And he looked at me like I was a teddy boy and um, sort of virtually showed me the door. So I thought, I thought, I wonder where that guy is now. Yeah. You know, because he missed such an opportunity. Um, but it was things like that. But, I, you know, over the years, my, my, my skills of anything has come from uh, really working with groups on the road, um, listening to their, um, their moans and groans. Uh, working, you know, with the likes of fly posters to make sure we got the best fly posters spots around London. Uh, marketing generally, Jake would always give me enormous grief if we didn't get the best page in the NME when we were taking an ad. He'd scream at me and, and whatever. Um, but I learned learned it by the seat of my pants and. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that that sort of, you know, you learn by your own mistakes as well. I made loads of mistakes. I made loads of mistakes, you know, I just think of the acts we could have signed at Stiff that we never signed. <laughs> and I remember oh, being in Dublin and, part, and not thinking that much of you too at one point. On this week's show, we were talking to music executive Paul Conroy 
about his vast and plentiful career. And just to bring you up to date with Paul's recent activity, as in Wikipedia, I'll read this. Conroy now resides in Henley, Oxfordshire, and Gozo. That's in Malta. More recently, Paul has acted as a consultant for Universal Music on issues related to catalogue artists and the setting up of the website You Discover. And he's also consulted for leading advertising agencies in placement for music and various commercials. He's also involved in a possible Netflix series. I can't tell you much more about that. Well, he'll act as executive producer. Insider Insights is a regular weekly feature in Moments That Rock. It's where we talk to behind-the-scenes people in the music industry and let them share their stories. More next week. Ninety-two percent of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. Ninety-two percent because of a bike. Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.